So we're going to continue forward with our series titled Heavenly today, and uh, this series could go all year long, just so that you know. There are so many topics in the sphere or the arena of the heavenly realms, and it just could go on and on and on and on. And I don't know 100% sure where it's going. All I know is God told me to teach it. And I feel like I'm only scratching the surface. It's like kind of like a class I just led. It was 30 weeks of 120 doctrinal topics, which uh, the last class is this Tuesday. So a lot of people are happy about that. And, uh, but I'm only scratching the surface on these topics. And you guys need to know that. There's, it's literally just a piece of a part. And my hope and my prayer through these messages is that it would spur you on to study them out more, is that it would cause you to want to know more about them and to take the time for yourself to study them out. Don't take this one little message on a Sunday morning and make that the complete totality of your learning on the topic. You have to study it out more. Please understand, I only am getting parts and pieces of this topic. I only have a piece of it. You'll have another piece. You're going to see it uniquely. You're going to see it differently. Now, what I try to do is keep it very biblical, of course. I want it to be biblical. And I'm trying to bring the understanding of what God has shown me, but there's a unique understanding that you can get on all these topics as well. So don't discount it. This is what I believe the Lord is saying to us and to this church. And there's a lot of other things that I would like to say, but I just can't say them right now. The Lord won't let me say them, or it's not time, or you're not ready to hear it. Or I'll preach a a word straight from heaven, and you'll just discount it. This can't be another Sunday morning message. And the reason why I get up and weep and cry and pour my heart out is because it's such a reality for me, and I want it so desperately to be a reality for you. So it's not me just feeding you and giving you a morsel until you make it to the next week. It has to become an everyday reality. Heavenly wisdom is not just a good message that touched you for the moment and we got deep to the heart and it pulled back veils. We cried, we wept, it was powerful. And then what? Everybody say, and then what? what? How much church have some of you been to in your life? I mean, I've been going to church solid probably two to three times a week since I gave my life to the Lord. That's uh, a long time ago, 1992. Oh my. <laughs> yeah, wow. So, so I, I, there's a weight on these words because, like, for example, this message that I'm preaching today, it's way above your head. No pun intended. It's really way above our heads. We're trying to explain a reality that's in another dimension. And if you don't get it by revelation, you just heard another good teaching. And how much teaching have you heard in your life? I mean, what can you listen to on YouTube tonight? Somebody's got something to say about everything, but this is our family. I'm your pastor. I shepherd you and lead you to what I believe God has for this field this flock, this house, this purpose, and in the years to come. So it's personal here. It's personal for us. 
So what I give you and what I feed you is something you must cultivate for yourself, or I'll just preach all these great messages, and then what? All right? Okay. When I think about this message, I think about King David getting the keys to the kingdom. Now, Jesus said he gives us keys. The keys of the kingdom have been given to us. Now, David had what we know as the key of David, but it was actually incomplete in access and function. It was a part, but today it's complete with full access and function. Now, many of you don't know what the key of David is. You don't have an understanding of it because you've never studied it out for yourself. The key of David was this incredible ability that was given to David to open doors and shut doors that no man could open and shut, especially for the nations. It was high, high, high governmental authority and access from the throne of God. Now, he got it through prayer and intimacy. That's why you have to show up. I, don't, I get it. Sometimes it's like eating cardboard and you want to lay down and take a nap. Show up. God sees you in the showing up. The challenge is when you think it's foolish and insignificant, God says, this is what I use to confound the, the, the wise of the world. When it seems like nothing's happening and you kept staying consistent. I always consistently show up. I'll drag myself in here with fevers and hacking and barely walking and didn't sleep all night and nine out of 10 times feeling like I can't even give you what God's given to me. How am I gonna do it? And I'm so broken and I'm so desperate and then God shows up because that's how it works. Because the minute I think it's in my nobility and my strength is the minute that I fall flat on my face. But in dependency and broken and faithfulness and consistency, God shows up. David had an understanding of the ability granted to him through his position, but there was more. There was more power, more authority, and more heavenly wisdom still to be had. Why? Because he had, a, he had foresight of what was coming, so much so that he would literally give us prophetic words that would be fulfilled in Jesus's lifetime, and it was through his lineage, but still, it was incomplete. It wasn't finished until one man hung on a cross. And when it was finished, the veil was ripped in two, which gave you complete access. The problem is the access that man thought they had was a lie. There was no ark behind the curtain. It's man-made religion, it's following protocols and principles that have no power and no life, and there's nothing there. And as much as I want to teach you the dark side of wisdom, and so many of you, thank you for the feedback I got from last week, I can't teach it to you yet. One, I'm only scratching the surface of it. But is that really where God wants us to go? It, it's very fascinating to understand it, and maybe there will be a time for that message. David touched it for moments, but we can live it for a lifetime. There's also a dark side of heavenly places. I might actually do a message titled, The Dark Side, and we'll do wisdom in heavenly places because in heavenly places, there is a second heaven and it's very dark there. And it's where the demonic forces rule and reign from. And I, it's an incredible understanding. I had a dream where I basically was being 
what felt like raptured. My hands were straight up in the air and there was a wind coming up from the ground and it was shooting me. And I went from the earth up through the, the atmosphere, the stratosphere, into the cosmos, into the, where the stars and the moon and the universe dwell and I got stuck. And half my body was in the earthly realm and half my body was in the second heaven. And in the second heaven, it was utter darkness. It was pitch black, no life, nothing. And I was frozen halfway here and halfway there. And ever since that time, I've said, God, I wanna go all the way. I don't wanna just be stuck in the second heaven where the demonic forces reside. I know there's something above it. I know there's a third heaven. We're gonna talk about that. So listen, I'm gonna explain to you things that are way above you and way supernatural, but I'm gonna try to make it practical. I'm gonna try my best to keep it simple. I don't wanna lose you, but this is a reality, not just a concept. This is a place or places. And so there's a dark side. But these types of messages, to really understand them, require maturity on our part. Hebrews 5.12 says, by this time, you ought to be teachers, but you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles or sayings of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. Everyone who is partaker of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. I want to be skilled. How about you? We want to be skilled, right? But solid food, everybody say solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So by reason of use, we exercise our spiritual senses to discern what's happening around us. Now, to some of you, that may have just sounded like Chinese, okay? I'm trying to help you understand it. By reason of use, God has this way of consistently and repeatedly testing you and setting you up to bring you to a place that's outside of yourself and outside of the natural man. Remember, we have a heavenly father and there's a heavenly man and the heavenly man ministers life. And so the heavenly reality is this mindset that I have spiritual senses and my spiritual senses have to be exercised. Like I like going to the gym. I wanna take care of my body. More than how I look, I want to live a good long life and I want to take care of myself mentally, physically, and spiritually. It's the whole man. But you have to exercise your spiritual senses. What are you seeing in the spirit? What are you hearing in the spirit? What are you smelling in the spirit? What are you feeling in the spirit? Because you are only living in a tent. You have a spirit or you are a spirit, you have a soul and you live in a body. The soul is the seat of your mind, your will, and your emotions. It's how you think. It's your understanding. Your spirit gives you the breath of life. The spirit is the essence of who you are. God speaks to you through your spirit, and it's in your soul that you interpret what he's saying. So if your soul's fragmented, what he says will be fragmented. And so what Paul's saying, or what the writer of Hebrews here may or may not have been Paul is saying is that Listen, you're still on the bottle, but I want to feed you meat. Last week was a, was a filet mignon in the spirit. 
and I could keep serving some lobster and go deeper and deeper and deeper. The challenge is, is that there's a whole section of this church that'll be left behind because you're still on the bottle. And it's like, man, show me the realities of heaven. We'll get off the bottle. I mean, look at the, script, the scripture, bring it back up. I, I, I'm, I want you to take this with serious and sober-mindedness. I love you. We must grow. Look at what it says. You ha- there's elementary principles and the first principles of the oracles of God. And it says, you at this point, how much church have you gone to? At some point, just count your services. You'll, I would lose track. So would some of you. So at some point, am I going to keep giving you milk and let you stay on the milk? Or are you going to come up to the, to the bigger, better solid food? Now, we have to grow up. And when you first give your life to the Lord, you don't have any spiritual teeth yet. So as you grow, God, at some point, a baby can't stay on a milk. So you're going to grow. You have to grow to get some teeth to eat the more that God has for you but you're never going to get it just on a Sunday morning. I love you all enough to tell you that. You must grow. I'll give you, I I love this saying, I'll give you enough wind to get you out of the harbor. Get your sails up. You're going to get out of the harbor. But if you want to sail across the sea, you're going to have to catch the wind for yourself. Okay? Look at that next verse, verse 13. Everyone who partakes only in milk is unskilled in the word of what? Righteousness, for he's obeyed, verse 14. But solid food belongs to those who are full age. So let me say something to you about full age real quick, and I gotta move fast because I have a lot to tell you. If you stay in the process and allow yourself to get nourished, think of a tree, think of a seed. It goes in the ground, it dies, and then it produces life. Some of you are like a sapling novice just coming out of the ground. That's okay. A young babe. Full ages over the course of time, which means you stay in prayer, worship, stay in the disciplines of God. You continue to pursue the Lord in intimacy. And you don't see yourself maybe in the growth process at the moment, but stick around. In a year from now, if you do it consistently, you will grow. You're not the same person you once were when you walked in here. All you ever did was cry. That's all you ever did. It was awesome and still cry. But the point is, is you were so broken, but you've you've growing. You've grown. So many of you have. My heart is to grow you. You got to understand, farmer, that's, God calls us to be farmers, cultivate, and, and raise you up. It takes time. But the seed's not going to grow or the plant's not going to grow without nourishment, fertilizer, water, and light, and stoking. It's like, I'm going to stoke your heart. That's why you got to lay down the offenses and let somebody stoke your heart. Don't preserve yourself. I was talking with Kevin the other day, and we were talking about how much we love correction. Correction is such a great thing if it's done in perfect love with the right heart and the Father's heart. We need correction because it grows us. So what happens is as you're growing, because I can't expect some of you to know this all right now. I can't expect that, but I can challenge you to keep growing. And what happens is, is who are full age or mature, that is those who by reason of use. Now, one thing I will tell you is every single one of you have a reason of use right now. 
We all have a reason of use. Questions, struggles, challenges, relationships, finances, uh, crucifying the flesh. The list goes on of all the reasons. What I will tell you is you grow more in the Lord, the reasons of use get bigger. It's like, man, I just wanted to get into an apartment off the streets. Then one day I'm believing for four acres of land. I just wanted to make it to the next paycheck. Now I manage millions of dollars worth of income and gross revenue from my businesses. God grows you in time if you'll stay the course. He delights in you, so he brings you to a broad place, Psalm 18. But when you step into broader places, if you don't exercise your senses to discern good and evil, truth from lies, if you don't have a reality perspective that's above you, that's leading you and guiding you, that, that was heavenly wisdom. And today we're gonna talk about where you're seated, why it's so important to understand where you're seated. Because Jesus knew who he was, he knew where he was. Think about, think about Matthew 26 for a moment. In Matthew 26, Jesus is in the garden. Here comes Judas and the temple priests to arrest him. Jesus, or Judas gives him a kiss and basically the disciple flips out, cuts his ear off. Jesus says, put your sword away. If you live, if you live by the sword, you're gonna die by the sword. And then he says, oh, I got chills just telling you this. He says, don't you think in an in a instant I could call down more than 12 legions of angels. How could he say that? And then he'd say, put the sword away. Take me to the cross. This is the reality of heavenly places that I want to take you to. It's this understanding of what's available to you and the access that you have by where you're seated. This is such a spiritual understanding. And if you don't flip out of the natural, you're not going to understand it. By reason of use. Springs start popping, people go crazier, people manifest on you, and God says everything's a test. It's all a setup. So guess what? How are you going to act? How are you going to act? It's all a test. Everything. And God gives you the grace and the ability to pass it. And when you fail a hundred times over, says, pick yourself up again. I love you. I'm going to see you through it again and again and again and again. So in Ephesians 1, we get this awesome prayer. Okay, here we go. We're going to go full speed into this. And I'm going to move quickly. In Ephesians 1, we get this awesome prayer from the Apostle Paul to the church of Ephesus. And in this prayer, he, he basically says that we, he would pray that we would be granted the spirit of wisdom and revelation and that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened of what has been fully made available to you. Now, I'm not gonna go through it all. I could teach on the whole prayer for a whole series. But the premise is, he's like, my prayer is that you would be granted a spirit of wisdom, heavenly wisdom and revelation. What's revelation? Finally seeing for the first time what you've always been looking at the whole time. You go, oh my gosh, I never saw that. The devil goes to blind and deceive. God pulls off the blinders and your eyes are open. You're like, wow, the reality of what I've been sitting in church for five, 10 years, 
and hearing about is finally become real to me. On another level, God pulls back layers and layers and layers. In my encounter with God, he said, you only think you know what you're talking about. There's, it's so deep and wide. It goes so beyond. Even what I'm gonna try to tell you today, the reality is so much bigger. And that's why Paul would say, I'm praying for you. You need the spirit of wisdom and revelation and that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened to know what's fully and freely been given to you. Now, in this message, I could talk about the spiritual blessings. I don't have time to talk about it. We're gonna talk about one major spiritual, a couple spiritual blessings today that are given to you in heavenly places. Look at Ephesians 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with what? Every spiritual blessing where? In heavenly places in Christ. So what are those spiritual blessings? Well, if you keep reading in Ephesians 1, it, it gives you a whole list of them. The spiritual blessings of the fruit of the Spirit, the spiritual blessings of the gift of the Spirit. There's so many spiritual blessings that we could talk about them for a long time. But today I wanna talk to you about the spiritual blessing in another place or realm or reality and in another person. It's another place in another person. Who's the other person? Jesus. Where's the other place? The heavenly realm or places or realities. And so today I'm gonna talk to you about being in two places at the same time. I had a dream once where in the dream, I knew I was in my bed sleeping, but I was at some resort in another place of the world. And I was chasing somebody down that desperately needed to hear the gospel of a message. And the guy was running away from me. He was hanging out on the edge of a pool. And in the dream, I was looking for him and I knew who it was. And when I got close, he saw me and ran. And I'm running after him and I'm telling him, don't run away. I have something so important to tell you. And by the way, I'm not even here right now. I'm home sleeping in bed. It was, it was weird. Like in the dream, I'm explain, trying to tell the guy how cool this is. Like I'm not even really, I'm here and there. I remember when John Paul Jackson, when he was alive, he came to the church that I was at in Tulsa and he publicly interpreted dreams. And I told him, he goes, I've never heard anybody be in two places at the same time. And so the mindset is, is that you're here and there. The mindset is that God positions you for a purpose in both places. It's purpose, position, presence, and power. Purpose, position, presence, and power. God positions you in two places for a reason. So we're gonna talk about both these positions. When we give our lives over to Christ, so many incredible and supernatural things happen to us. One of those things is being seated with Christ in heavenly places at God the Father's right hand and throne. And I would imagine so many of us don't have the full, clear understanding of what it means to actually be seated at the right hand of God. Now, when you give your life to Christ. What does that mean? And what are the implications and the realities of that for us here and now? We have to get the insight and understanding of this. And the Bible gives us a clear mandate that we're to seek out this truth and live by this reality now. Here's the problem. 
high intellectual people, super practical people. It's like, man, how, what, what does this even mean for me? And then you discount it. Don't discount it. Listen to this scripture, Colossians 3.1. If then you were raised with Christ, so if you're born again, you were raised with Christ. Look at what it says. Seek those things which are where? Where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. So you have a biblical commandment to seek something not of this world. Is that practical enough? I don't know how else to, it's so simple to me. You're, you're in this world and it's easy to see everything around you, but I want you to see something that's above you. I want you to seek out. You were raised from the dead. Christ is at the right hand of God. And I want you to seek out those things which are there. Why? Because everything God does comes from that place. It's there moved into here, not here moved into there. Your will be done on as it is. So the way it is there is the way God wants to do it here. Do you all understand that? Now, what you have to figure out is what does God do there? The, here's some fun questions like, what's actually happening there? What's he seeing? What's going on in that place? And if you're seated there, what should you be experiencing and seeing? That's why the Bible says, seek out the things that are above you. Some of you are so earthly stuck. And we, we crucified the saying, so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. Let me rephrase it. I'm so heavenly minded, I'm extraordinarily earthly good. <laughs> Extraordinarily. There you go. Extraordinarily. So we're told to seek those things which are above in a place where someone is sitting. It's Jesus at the right hand of God. Now to understand heavenly places, we've got to understand the right hand of God. And if you're seated there, we must understand why is the right hand of God so important? Do you know that the right hand of God is mentioned 10 times in the New Testament? 10 times. The right hand of God. Most, it's the most important position next to the king. It's a special place of honor. It's the king's right-hand man the chief assistant with full delegated authority to rule on the king's behalf. Now, the king in this case is the father, and Jesus is called a king. But what I want you to understand in the natural sense, if somebody's sitting next to a king at his right hand, he's his right-hand man. And what is a right-hand man? It's like the CEO, full delegated authority and power and position to lead and take responsibility for all of his affairs. So if you see the right-hand man, you see the man. If you see Jesus, you see the Father. So the right hand is a very powerful place. And at the right hand, there's headship over the church and all things are under his feet for all time. There's headship over the church and all things are under his feet for all time. In the context of spiritual blessings and power given to us, which is the same power that was worked in Christ, look at what Paul said in Ephesians 1. This is the context of all the spiritual blessings and the power that was rele relegated and given to you, and here's what it says, is the same power towards you that was worked in him that he works in you. Look what it says, which he worked in Christ. 
when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Verse 21, everybody say far above. How high? Far above. It's like, I'm, you're so far above that. So how, this is all gonna play into how you live your earthly life. This is all gonna play into warfare, lies, people manifesting, struggles. It all plays in. Even the heavenly wisdom. I probably should have done heavenly places first because heavenly wisdom comes from that place. So he says, far above all principality, power, might, dominion, every name that's named, and only in, uh, not only in this age, but in the age to come. It's all times. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which in his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. All is really said a lot. He's over all, he's in all, he's he, for all time. So Jesus is far above every principality, power, might, dominion, everything that's been named. If it has a name, he's over it. Everything's under his feet and he is now our head as we are his body. So he's the head, you're the body. What does it take to move your pinky toe? I know y'all are moving your pinky toe right now. As soon as I say, it's like, all you have to do is think it for a second. So as he thinks, so we are. As he is, so we are. So all that has to happen is one second of a thought and we move because we're the body of Christ. He is our head. We are designed to be the fullness of him. Let's go back to verse 23. I want you to see this. He gave him to be head over all things of the church, which is his body. So the church is the fullness of who? Christ on this earth. Now, Christ is alive and well on this earth. Where? Through us and in us, and us and him. So we're designed to be the fullness of him filling all things with the presence, power, and purpose that we carry, namely Jesus himself. It's delegated governmental rule on earth as it is in heaven. Here as it is there, not vice versa. So let's talk about our residing places. Because of God's great love with which he loves us, when we were dead in our trespasses, he makes us alive together with Christ. And then he says this in Ephesians 2, 6. God loves you, God loves you, God loves you. Because he loves you and because of this great love that he has towards you and because of the grace of God, he did this. Why does God put you there? Did you earn it? Did you deserve it? Are you that good? Are you so, so spiritually said, man, you're really so great, I'm gonna take you up here. No, he loved you and you were dead in your trespasses. You were dying. And he says, I raised you up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So we're in Christ together with him because he loves you and you were dead and his mercy and his kindness and his grace snapped you out of it. You were snapped out. You were saved out. And when he saved you out, he raised you up together. The key word here is together, together, together. Together. Because you can't understand heavenly places. 
You won't even understand him. You won't even get to go. You'll only go second heaven, the demonic realm, and you'll live in the dark side of the heavenly realm and the dark side of wisdom. This is where we'll probably go to that series at some point. But the problem is you get stuck in the second heaven. And so because of Christ and because you were dead and you said, yes, he took you from here to there. Now you live your life from there. The premise of heavenly places, you live your life from another reality. That's why you get around seers and you think they're, it's like crazy because they're always living in the, in the revelatory realm. But if you see, you've got to learn to function in the earthly realm. God gives you a whole Bible to help you understand how Christ lived and functioned in the earthly realm. Zip the lip, love the people, heal the sick, rescue those that are perishing, interject yourself, be a space invader, know how to talk, know how to love, care, compassion. Jesus looked at the multitudes who were lost and scattered. And he said, you guys are a bunch of idiots and fools. You deserve death. No, he didn't say that, by the way. <laughs> he had compassion. Why? You'll only get compassion from the heartbeat of God from heaven. That's the dark side of wisdom is when you look at people and you say, man, you're all fools. Idiots. <laughs> Some of y'all need to repent because that's the way you think. <laughs> so this is what I want you to see here. God took you. He put him at the right hand of God. The father put Jesus at the right hand of God through his obedience and the cross and his, the way that he lived his life and the surrender. And because he went there, you can go there. So when you come in Christ, you get access. You get access to a whole nother reality. The world does not get this access, but they chase after it. And the rulers of this world are hooked into the dark side of wisdom thinking they know, but they have no idea. And if we're not careful as Christians, we'll think we know, but have no idea until God pulls back the deception and says, you have been living your whole life with a lack of understanding of how deep and wide and great. And that's, I'm gonna, I would just preface, if I could rewrite Ephesians 1, Paul says, man, when I heard your faith, I didn't cease to give thanks for you. My mind says, man, when I saw your lack of faith, I was like, God, please give them a spirit of wisdom and revelation. <laughs> Once we give our lives to Christ from the death we were living in, did you see because we were dead in our trespasses? Go back a verse. Because we were dead in our trespasses, what happened? God pulled you out and he saved you and he raised you up. And when you give your life to Christ, you become alive. And then you actually join him together in heavenly places, in him. And this is done for a purpose. The question is, what's the purpose? Why am I sitting there? I get to sit in his presence. You get incredible power for what? So we're, right, we're seated in his presence, meaning you're not alone. You're at his right hand and you have a purpose. The purpose is to show the exceeding riches of his grace and kindness towards others. Look at it. Verse, go back to verse six now. I want you to see this. Not to dominate people. Not to be prideful and arrogant. Grace and kindness. 
He raised, I'm sorry, it's verse seven. The ages to come is this age and the ones in front of us. He did it all. He raised us up so he could show something that we have to show. We have to show people the exceeding riches of his grace and kindness towards others. That's the mindset of extraordinarily good on earth. I'm so heavenly minded that I am in excess of grace and kindness and mercy. Not crushing you, arrogance, haughtiness, not, not even trusting in my guns. I'm trusting in God to show me how to use my guns. Because if you use a gun erroneously, you'll be locked up all in the name of earthly justice. So you're not alone. And God has shown you incredible kindness and grace, hasn't he? So he raises you up so you can show it accurately here. So let's talk real quick about what are heavenly places. Let's define it. The word places is, is actually not an original word in the Greek in the New Testament. The better word is realms. And you only actually see realms in the Old Testament. So I'm gonna just define it for you. A realm is a kingdom. It's a field or domain of activity or interest. It's regions, okay? But this is, I don't have time to overly develop this because I'm not fully doing a series on heaven. I'm talking about heavenly realities. In heaven, it's perfection. Even though Jesus is seated in heavenly places and so are we, and there's, there's realms, there's one place and realm where it's perfect and pure. That's above all other realms. That's the third heaven. But when it says realms, we really for sure know of three realms and I bet you some people know more that I don't know. What are they? There's the earthly realm. There's the second heaven, the cosmos. It's the stars, the moon. It's what we can see with telescopes. It's that dark area that I told you about. And then you have the third heaven which is a whole nother reality where the throne of God is, okay? So they're realms. To give you a little bit of understanding in the Hebrew, the realm is a royalty, a reign, a kingdom, kingship. Think of the word kingdom. Whenever you hear the word kingdom, it's king's domain, the domain of the king or the realm of the king, okay? It's the authority over that territory or that time and space, in the letter to Ezra from King Artaxerxes, Ezra is actually called a law, a scribe of the law of the God of heaven. And listen to this in Ezra 7.23. Artaxerxes writes this letter and gives Ezra the authority over all the land. And he says this, whatever is commanded by the God of that realm, heaven, let it diligently be done for the house of the God of heaven. For why should there be wrath against the realm of the king and his sons? So Artaxerxes gets this understanding. This prophet is coming from another place. And he's the, scraw, the scribe of the God of heaven, of the law of the God of heaven. And anything that he brings from there, let it be established in this realm. He had this profound understanding of it. So much so that he says to Ezra, he has God-given wisdom in the letter. You have God-given wisdom to implement laws and governmental authority from God. And anybody that breaks it can have confiscation, thrown in prison. I mean, he was given full authority. You can read the story or the letter. It's powerful. 
So Artaxerxes understood it. The Apostle Paul's experience with the third heaven, 2 Corinthians 12, 1. Listen to what Paul says. He's like, man, no one could boast about visions and revelations like the Apostle Paul could. And he says, it's doubtless not profitable for me to boast. I, it's not profitable to boast. It's profitable to stay humble. It's profitable to use what God shows you with love and mercy and kindness. He says, I'll come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man, he's talking about himself, but he's so humble, he's not even mentioning his own name. He says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body, I do not know, or whether out of the body, I don't know, but God knows such a one was caught up to the third heaven. And I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. Sometimes it's okay to say that I don't know. But Paul had this incredible experience. And it says right here in verse four, he was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words, which is not lawful for man to utter. So Paul was taken to the third heaven and heard these incredible words from the throne of God. And he's like, I can't even hardly repeat it to you. It's hard for me to even explain this reality to you. But Paul was taken there. How about Stephen? Stephen, just before he dies at his stoning, and you guys, do you know what really ticked the Pharisees off and the leaders that stoned Stephen, what it really was? It's Acts 6, 8, and 10. It says, because of the great wisdom and power that Stephen had, no one could refute him. He was above it. So much so, it made the dark side of wisdom manifest to the point of stoning Stephen. And right before Stephen dies, he looks up to heaven. Look at this, Acts 7, 54. Stephen preaches this message straight from the heart of God. He rips him a new one. I'm talking, he's like on another level in preaching the gospel. What did they do? This is what the dark side of the wisdom does. They, it cut them to the heart and they, instead of repenting, they gnashed their teeth at him. In verse 55, but he being full of the Holy Spirit gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, look, I see the heavens open and the son of man standing at the right hand of God. So one of the greatest spiritual blessings we receive is power over the enemy, first in the heavenly places and then manifested on earth. And that's the one thing I'm gonna close with today and really talk about on the spiritual blessings is the authority and the power that you're given over the demonic forces controlling people, places, and events in the world that we live in, all right? We're gonna talk about this spiritual blessing because it applies to every one of us. Anytime you move forward to the things of God, you're gonna have incredible resistance from the enemy. I had incredible resistance to preach this message. My stomach was upset. I was on the toilet for 35 minutes this morning. What do you want me? I mean, it's a reality. Like I'm, I'm trying to bring something here that I'm scratching the surface on. Hey, I'm a man too. So let's talk about real quick, the spiritual blessing of the authority and power that you get from where you're seated today. People aren't supposed to be your problem, but people are problematic. 
<laughs> Let me say it again. People are not supposed to be your problem, but unfortunately, people are clearly problematic, right? If you don't realize your position, purpose, and power in Christ first, you're never gonna deal with people properly and accurately. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against who? Let's read it, Ephesians 6.10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his, his might or dominion. The word might here is Christ's dominion because anybody that's under pressure, stress, addiction, uh, fear, worry, doubt, suicide, nightmares, sleeplessness, lack of rest, one of, the, one of the best spiritual blessings you get from being seated there is the rest you should have now. Your greatest weapon of warfare is rest. So if you're anxious, worried, fearful, trying to make it all happen in your own way, what's actually happening is you're not keeping your seat there. Everybody say, keep your seat. I had told you guys a story a while back. I got on the airplane and God's always told me, whatever my seat number is that I get, keep the seat unless I tell you to move. So on the first flight, I kept my seat on the one seat and had an encounter with the next person. On the next flight, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to tell you the story again. On the first flight, I did not keep my seat and I did not have an encounter with the person next to me and God convicted me. On the second flight, God said, keep your seat. I like aisles when I fly, by the way. I always like to sit at the aisle. So the first seat was empty. I moved to the window. As soon as I moved to the window, God convicted me. On the second flight, it was completely full. I'm on the aisle. And here comes a guy kneeling down as he walks down the plane. He was got to be six foot five or taller. And he has the middle seat. And I'm little old me in the aisle seat. And what does God say? So, I mean, my, my, I had to override my mercy thing. I got up and, had, and I know the guy was, had to be thinking to himself, for the love, let me have the aisle. That's what Mark would probably, Mark's like, give me the aisle, right? So the guy sits in the middle. And then we talk for a minute. I tell him that I'm a pastor. He goes, oh, I've, been, I've had some questions. And, he, and we have this encounter with the Lord the whole flight because I kept my seat. So you have to keep your seat. Seated is a governmental authority. Seated is a resting position. Seated means that I'm not afraid. Seated means that I'm not worried about anything. Seated means that it doesn't matter what you do. And after a while, my legs get a little tired. Can somebody get me a stool? And God says, sit here at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. So rest is a governmental authority position of trust without worry and fear. When you get out of your seat, you, you literally for the moment relinquish what's been given to you and open the door to the cares of this world. That's why I would really like to teach the message on heavenly courts and the heavenly government on earth. That will be for, I don't know when. But, you know, like when I, at my last church, when I first moved here, I had a dream of a snake python head this big. I stood up, I grabbed the chair on the front of the of first row, and I started crushing the snake with the corner of the leg of the chair. And I killed it. Like that. Thank you. So, but what... What was God showing me? 
governmental authority and power from keeping your seat and staying rested. What in the world are we so anxious? I get it. In this world, you'll have trouble, but take heart because he overcame it. Now, let me just add this, which is only adding the word. And now I'm raising, you're raised up together to gather together, right? For a purpose. And what is that? What is that purpose? It's to have dominion over the lies, not people. I don't ever dominate over you, ever. My heart's not to dominate. My heart's to father. But the dominion comes over circumstances, demonic forces, lies, fears, words, your own heart. And that only comes from being strong in him and the power of his might. So verse 11 says, put on the whole armor of God that you'd be able to stand against the wiles or schemes or plans. The devil is always scheming. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against what? Where are they? Look at the last two words. Principalities, wickedness, rulers, darkness against the host, the lies of the enemy, everything that the devil brings, wickedness, everything, the hosts of heaven, second heaven, what does it say? In the heavenly places. That's where they are. But you're there too. Except you're one step above it. You have authority over those heavenly places because the devil's been defeated because of the cross, because of the blood. You're seated in the place of perfection. That's the reality of this series, heavenly, is that you're not stuck where they're stuck. You're above where they're stuck. So you have power over them and you're not fighting against people. Now, does the devil use people as puppets? Yes. If somebody's fully controlled by the devil and comes to harm my family or I, it's gonna be trouble for them, right? The devil can make, in a sense, people enemies on earth, but who's the real enemy? So the enemy resides and rules from heavenly places. The devil's full of wiles or scheming, secret. What's a scheme? It's a secret underhanded plan. It's a large scale systematic plan for putting a particular plan into effect. Specifically, the enemy makes devious plans with a very clear intention to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came that we'd have life and have it abundantly, John 10, 10. 2 Corinthians 2.11 says that we're not ignorant of the devices of the enemy. You'll be ignorant though if you don't understand where you're seated and walk in heavenly wisdom with the heavenly father's love and get life from the heavenly man. Ephesians 3.10, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom, what's a manifold? Think of an exhaust with lots of different outlets for the gas or the liquid to come out. Think of a variation of colors. Think of a diversity of understandings. I think God giggles at these messages and all the things that we process with him. That's why we have to be so careful. I think he giggles because he enjoys the discovery process. And many times like, man, if, if you only really knew. I'm like, well, I want to know. He says, well, I'm enjoying the process. I'm still going to show up while you're discovering. We're all in discovery, all of us. So to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the church, known by the church. That's very important that you see this. Manifold wisdom is heavenly wisdom. We talked about that last week. 
of God would be made known by who? By who? To who? So if I'm, if my enemy's not you, in a sense, and I'm raised up there, now God releases manifold wisdom and power through me to be, to take authority and governmental rule over what's ruling over people's lives. I'm trying to put this into words to help you understand. Please see the scripture. The wisdom of God is made known by you and me to principalities and powers there. And if you're so stuck on your battles on earth, you're never gonna see your authority that you have there. I really hope you guys, Lord, please give us this church, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. I really don't even know. I feel like I'm just like barely touching something. But I think that if we can understand this and where we're seated, which is a reality, it's not a nice principle, it's a truth. It'll affect everything that we do. First Peter 3.22, Jesus went into heaven, is at the right hand of God. And it, what does it say? Angels and authorities and powers are now subject to him. And now you're seated there. Matthew 22.44, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. So I said this not long ago, stack them up. Stack them up. It's not people's bodies. It's demonic forces that my feet rest on because I'm seated. But as soon as kids, marriage, money, people, economy, government, news, president, gas prices, all the things of this world. What am I going to do? Oh my gosh, this is so bad. Oh my gosh. Panic, fear, worry, I'm not going to make it. And we forget the lordship of God who's That's probably just the best way I could tell it to you. Oh, the devil, the devil, the devil. I don't know really the last time I addressed the devil except when I said, come out. (laughs) I'm being really honest with you. I already know he schemes, but I'm not ignorant. You know what ignorant means? I don't know what's happening. The devil, listen. God, you need God to lift the lid so you can really see. I can't make that happen for you, but I can tell you about it and I can tell you how it happened to me when I realized I was hiding and in fear and worry and lies and misbeliefs and apathy, the dark side of wisdom, calling people fools. How could you not get it? And I would never say it, but it was in my heart. Writing people off preserving myself, protecting myself, lack of trust, fear. And by the way, I still wrestle these things to this day. I know some people think I'm like living, I am living there, but I still am here. So there's this tension, right? We're always in, and God designed it that way. I sent a message to Mark and Kevin about in Hebrews 5, where it says, earthly priests can have compassion on those who are struggling because he himself is subject to weakness. 
I preach these messages because I own them myself. I'm not just trying to give you something that, that raises me higher than you. I wanna come under you and propel you to the place that I know is available for us. So I'm, I'm out of time, but uh, let's see here. I'll just paraphrase the end. To keep your seat is governmental authority. To be seated with God in heavenly places is government authority. I wrote down some questions that I thought we should all be asking ourselves. And those questions are, what is God seeing? What is he experiencing? What's taking place there? Next week, my, I believe I'm gonna talk about heavenly worship and how it should affect our worship here. Because I think many of you don't have an understanding of what real worship really looks like. And the best way to understand worship is to understand what's taking place there and that we're joining in with that. And so what's happening there? Why did God say, sit here until I make your footstools, your enemy, your footstools? The father's doing something. In Matthew 6, 19, after the Lord was, was, had spoken to them and he was raised, Matthew, Mark 16, 19, he was raised up into heaven and sat down on the right hand of God. And then what did the disciples do? He went there and while they were here, what did they do? He accompanied, he joined together with them in their earthly work. So we're co-labor with the Lord. What's your struggle? Co-labor with the Lord. What are you trying? You're already above it. You just don't see it. So you need the revelation to realize all the temptations, the lies, the fears, the worries, they're all deceptive things to keep you back from the reality of who you are in the kingdom or the realm that you have authority in. And I'll close it with Ephesians 5, 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Are we living in evil days? Are you seated above it when you're born? You're not if you're not born again. Don't play around with your salvation. You don't just get it. You can't get it from a self-help book. You can't, you gotta surrender and die. Surrender and get into the process. What does circumspectly mean? It's the word akribos in the Greek and it means an acrobat. It means you walk the tightrope. It means you have incredible ability. A spirit, you're a spiritual gymnast. Walk circumspectly, redeeming the time because the days are evil. To walk circumspectly means I know who I am and where I'm at and that I have access. How many of you wanna walk in that as well? Like for example, your son. When I think about your son, I know I can see your son worshiping with Jesus. The problem is, is if you don't see it, you live, if we don't understand that reality, if you've lost a loved one that's gone before you, you'll live in depression your whole life, sad. And I've had moments of sadness because I miss family. I wish we wouldn't have a daughter that passed away. I would love my mom to still be here. But because I know there's another reality, because I understand where I have been put, I have access to see. 
What is he seeing there? What's he experiencing? Here's another great study for you. If it's at the right hand of the throne of God, what is the throne made of? Do you know what the throne of God's called? Do you know what the pillars of the foundation of God's throne are? Well, study it. I'm not going to tell you everything. Thank you. We're, we're going to another. We're not even going there. We're already there. Let's all stand. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. I, I didn't know how I was going to deliver this to you. But man, whew, I just feel the anointing of the Lord. Come on, y'all. Snap out of it. Live differently. You can live differently because of where you're seated. There's so much activity happening there. There's so much activity happening. So I'm gonna pray for you. Here's what I wanna pray as you go, that the reality of this message, heavenly places, the heavenly father, the heavenly man, the heavenly wisdom, that that reality would be fully alive in the reality of this realm. In fact, that's it. Do you know you'll spend more time living there than here? Do you know that? You're gonna live longer in eternity than on this earth. I feel the Lord genuinely moving mightily in his body all over the world. There's a real revival and awakening happening. That's why God's having me teach this message because we got work to do. We got work to do. All right, close your eyes, please. Far above. Come on, just meditate on that for a second. Far above. You're not turkeys. You're eagles. You are eagles. Far above. Those that wait on the Lord will see like the eagle sees over all your circumstances. They will mount up. Lord, mount this church up. Mount up, church. So that you can run and not grow weary. You can walk and you won't faint. Some of you have been, been growing weary. You'll always grow weary when you don't understand the reality. This is not your reality. Come on, Lord. I just thank you so much that there's a new reality coming into the hearts of everyone here. Let it come. What's, what's happening to me, God, what's been happening to the body, where we are, who you are, let that reality invade our hearts, God. You guys, you, you got this because he's got this. 
So I thank you, Lord, that you raised us up together, 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 together. You're not alone. You're in his presence. You have a position. You have power. You have a purpose. You have power to accomplish the purpose. Do not grow weary in well-doing for at the right time, at the right time, God knows the right time. You'll receive the promise. You'll receive the thing you're believing for. Do not grow weary in well-doing. Do not grow weary in well-doing. And for everyone that's weary, get hooked to the yoke of Jesus. Surrender all. If you've backslidden into sin, fear, worry, doubt, just repent right now to say, Lord, I repent. If you haven't given your life to Jesus, just say, Lord, I surrender all to you. Take my life. This earth is not about careers and money and it's about bringing heaven here. And then God gives you the other things. So I bless you. I bless you mightily. I bless you so much. And everyone watching on the live stream, in Jesus' name, amen.